Namam Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Swami Sri Bhakti Vedanta Prabhupada Namaha Gura Bhagyam Shira Siddhajam Shakti Vesha Sarupine Hare Krishna Timantrena Paschacha Prachatarene Vishvacharja Prabhadjaja Dibya Karunya Mutaye Shri Bhagavata Madhudya Gita Gyana Pradayane Gaura Rupa Siddhanta Saraswati Nishevine Radha Krishna Padam Bhoja Bringaya Gurivenama Devam Divyatanum Suchanda Badanam Balaka Chelanchitam Sandrananda Puram Sadeka Baranam Bairagya Vidyam Budhim Shisidhantani Dhim Subhakti Lasitam Saraswatanam Baram Bandetam Subadam Madeka Saranam Nyasishwaram Sridharam Shri Gauri Vaishnav Guru Paramparati Harinam Prabhu Ki Jai Krantaraj Srimad Bhagavat Ki Jai Umnamo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Umnamo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Umnamo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So we are discussing the Brahma Vimohana Lila, covering chapters 12, 13, and 14 of 10th Canto, Srimad Bhagavat. And you're going to have to give a summary of the balance of this Leela portion of these chapters, which covers chapters 12 and 13. 12, dealing primarily with the killing of Agasur, and 13, dealing with the stealing of the calves and the cows on the part of Brahma and Krishna's response to that, through which uh, the, as we've been discussing, this, the Tattva Srimad Bhagavatam, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, comes out in no uncertain terms. The 14th chapter of this um, canto, the third chapter in this Leela, is the consists of the prayers of Brahma. So from the narrative and the Leela, then we go to a very philosophical section, not that <coughs> there isn't much philosophy to be drawn drawn from the Leela. Indeed there is, as we're seeing, as we discuss uh, this pastime. So we aren't going to have time to go through each and every verse of the 14th chapter, quite a long chapter, and each prayer is full of so much meaning. After all, it is Brahma speaking, and he's learned enough as it is, foreheaded. You know, he looked in all directions, all four directions, and up and down, and every direction in between as well. In his search at the beginning, at the dawn of of the universe, with such earnestness, this is the idea, we should look with such earnestness to find out our origins, our source, so he did, and he found it to be not only Narayan, but Krishna as well. And somehow or other, it's quite some time since then, in terms of where we are now in this Leela, he uh, has become bewildered as to the position of Krishna. And furthermore, he, become, he will become more bewildered by the mystic opulence of Krishna. So not only Mohana, Brahma-Mohana, but Brahma-Vimohana. I mentioned earlier, I believe on the first day that we opened this discussion, that that uh, in the Madhva Sampradaya they don't give much credence to these chapters. Madhva himself didn't comment on them, and some have even reasoned that they are not part of the original Bhagavatam, but an interpolation. Of course, we disagree. But one of the reasons that Madhva had difficulty in adjusting this chapter is because Brahma is the founder of the Brahma, Madhva, and as we understand it, Gaudiya, Sampradaya. You know, there are four Vaishnav Sampradayas founded 
respectively by Brahma, Lakshmi, Chatusan, Kumar, and Mahadev, Shiva, Rudra. So we come into Brahma Sampradaya. We say Brahma Madhva Sampradaya and Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. Sometimes the Madhvas, they question our modern-day Madhvas, they question our Sampradaya and its validity originating in a sense as it does with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Indeed, Jiva Goswami has described it in his commentary on Tattva Sandarbha. What is that called? Sarva Sambadini. That uh, he has described Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the founder of his own Sampradaya. So when a, the, the Madhvas would like to say, yes, he founded his own Sampradaya, it's not a bona fide Sampradaya. But, of course, we have reason in this chapter has been used considerably, as I've mentioned, by Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami as evidence, Praman, to demonstrate, to support the notion of the Gaudiyas that Krishna is the source of Narayan and further that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that same Krishna. So, Krishna is the founder of the Brahma Sampradaya in a sense from Krishna to Brahma to Narada and, and so on. So our understanding is that he's appearing, that same Krishna is appearing again in his own Sampradaya. This gives, the, the, this is the greatest glory of the Brahma Sampradaya. They should acknowledge this point that, that Krishna appeared not only at the beginning of the Sampradaya but later in the middle as well. And to shed new light on its, on its significance, on the significance of, for example, the Chatushlok, famous Chatushlok, four, four verses of Srimad Bhagavatam that were spoken by Krishna to Brahma and then elaborated upon by Narada in about 12, 13 verses we call Narada Bhagavatam, comes in the first canto, when Narada is enlightening Vyas and Vyas to Sukadev, and Sukadev almost 18,000 verses. And that is the, that is the current edition of Srimad Bhagavatam, so dear to us, and then the distilled essence of Srimad Bhagavatam comes in Chaitanya Sampradaya in the form of Chaitanya Charitamrita. So, Madhvas should be proud that, uh, uh, that Krishna has come again in the Sampradaya. They question in one sense the validity because it, it appears ostensibly to have begun with, with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And we say, well, it, it, we, we are, we're generous enough to say that's actually the Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. We could stand on our own ground and say, yes, it's the Chaitanya Sampradaya, and it begins here. No problem. But because we say Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, the same Krishna that enlightened Brahma, that was in, in uh, he appeared in Gopavesh, as mentioned in Gopal Thakani Upanishad. Narayan appeared uh, first, and then Krishna appeared and instructed Brahma in Gopal Mantra, and, and he addressed as a Gopa. There in that uh, Shruti it's established also that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, source of Narayana in many respects. So, we say Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya, we connect the Madhva Sampradaya, connect ourselves to the Madhva Sampradaya, but they question how we are connected to the Madhva Sampradaya. Looking at the disciplic succession, they, they question the, the connection of Madhavendra Puri to Lakshmi, uh, Tirtha, one of the followers of, uh, initiated followers of Madhva, they, 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 they raise some objections to that. So they wonder what is our, how we are connected. Well, we, uh, they say maybe element of faith or something to that effect. But then we, we will turn to them and say, so who will believe that Madhva went all the way to Badrik Ashram and met Pias thousands of years uh, Later, we believe it. It's okay. <laughs> Such things are possible. But this is your sampradaya that you have connected to the us. You understand? This is, this is a, Madhva has formed his sampradaya, and he said, "Is the Brahma sampradaya? How? Oh, because he he rejected his own guru, who was uh, an Advaitin. At least externally, he, he rejected. He formed his own." I mean, from a dwaita, he formed a dwaita metaphysic, and, and and then 
What's his validity? Well, he heard it directly from Vyas. You know, he went to Vyas and he heard that he, he wrote his commentary and he ran it by Vyas and Vyas said good and, and with his Gita commentary and his uh, Vedanta Tika and so forth. This is an element of uh, an article of faith of Madhvasampradaya. We accept it. We see the we see the spiritual character of Madhva. We see his glorification of Vishnu Narayan and Krishna for that matter. We see his strong refutation of Advaita Vedanta, which is uh, a the uh, cornerstone in the building of the uh, life of uh, devotion. That Advaita Vedanta must be done away with. So he had done an excellent job in that regard. Mahaprabhu pays uh, pranam to him in this regard. And he also very much emphasized the eternality of the form of the Lord in his doctrine. In the different uh, sampradayas, four Vaishnava sampradayas, Brahma Madhvashri, Rudra and Kumar sampradaya, represented in more modern times, although ancient to us at the present, by Ramanuja, um, uh, Madhva, Nimbarka, and uh, Vishnu Swami. We find two elements in each, all of which appear in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's tradition. I once mentioned to Dr. Kapoor this, this point. I said, yes, Mahaprabhu has taken two points from each of the Sampradayas and included them in, in, his, in his teaching. These two from the Madhva Sampradaya, as I mentioned, the eternality of the form of the Lord, the refutation of Mayavad, and maybe in Vaishnav Seva of Ramanuja and Sharanagati, this principle, the Nimbarka and uh, Vishnu Swami Sampradayas or Ragmark Sampradayas. So the worship of uh, Radharani is taken from Nimbarka Sampradaya and something else I can remember. Vishnu and Balama Sampradaya, two points. So I mentioned like this. And Dr. Kapoor gave a very nice reply. He said, no, no, no. They have all borrowed two things from Mahaprabhu Sampradaya. <laughs> and taking only two points from Mahaprabhu Sampradaya, they can stand strongly as an actual uh, uh, tradition. So, if for that matter any of these Sampradayas will hear what Mahaprabhu has, uh, how he thinks about their Sampradayas, then there is no more beautiful and glorious Glorifica- greater, greater glorification of those sampradayas than is found actually in, 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 in Gaudiya sampradaya. So their, their modern-day followers have every reason, as Bhaktivedanta Thakur uh, had hoped and projected, indeed uh, said would come to, come to bear, that, uh, that they would all take shelter of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sampradaya, recognizing that Swayam Bhagavan himself, who is directly the source of the Brahma sampradaya and indirectly, as being the the, the, the the deity of Rudra, Shiva, uh, and the the, 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 the desired um, how you say flirt of Lakshmi, you know Lakshmi is the chaste wife of Narayan, but she wanted to dance in the Rasalila with with Krishna, and um, these uh, Kumaras also, devotees of Narayan and Krishna. They are the principal inquirers in the Purvatapani of Kopaltapani Upanishad from Brahma. And uh, in their Sampradaya, the Nimbarka uh, Sampradaya, as I said, it's a, it's a Ragmark Sampradaya, but they have the emphasis on Swakya. They like the idea that Radha and Krishna are married in Goloka. But they emphasize something, something about the position of Radha, the uniqueness of Radha amongst the gopis. And... Krishna is the Lord of Radha. So anyway, in Balabha Sampradaya, also that is, uh, except Krishna, uh, their ideal is the service of Krishna and Vrindavan, as largely as either in parental love or in a kind of conjugal love, a little different from Gaudiya Sampradaya. So, they were a reason to come under the banner of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's campaign, and indeed, for that matter, their sampradayas would probably be unknown today if it weren't for the Chaitanya Sampradaya, the Gaudiya Sampradaya. And this, would, and this, for that matter, was the is is to, uh, one of the contributions of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and Bhakti Vinod Thakur, because they were very 
uh, emphatic on making the link between Gaudiya's and Madhva's, and making it and, and calling it Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. And so, and, and in doing so, they honored all the sampradayas, just like it, uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakur's Mat in Mayapur Dam, next to the Yoga Pit there, the altar, if you go around, and there's a deity of each, Nimbarka, Ramanuja, Vishnu Sami. So we, we, our position, we are honoring all of them, glorifying them, and singing their praise to the world, finding common ground with them. This is the generosity of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And it's very inordinate. Uh, they're part of some of the modern-day followers that they don't recognize. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and he is giving them credit in their own right, in the eyes of the modern world, largely by the preaching of, of his uh, shishyas and those coming in the Gaudiya Saraswat Sampradaya and largely through the, through the, through the influence of our... Uh, Prabhupada, Bhaktivedanta Sam, Prabhupada. So, Madhva had a difficulty harmonizing the idea that Brahma, the founder of his sampradaya, could be bewildered. And in this Leela, as I mentioned, he's not only bewildered, but very bewildered. Vimohana. Not only Mohana, but Vimohana. That means in a big way and in a special way also. So, we heard thus far. And now we have to go quickly across so many points, whether we can, so many, well, so much of the narrative that, that is pregnant with so many important philosophical points, doubtful we can cover them all, but at this point in the narrative, Krishna has taken his, has taken his, is taking his lunch. It was a kind of a picnic lunch, a kind of a late, late breakfast. Usually, as we discussed, he takes breakfast, breakfast, with all of his friends at the house of Jashoda before going out and um, into the cowherding Leela. But on this occasion, for some reason or other, he wanted to go early. He woke everyone up himself rather than being woken up. And they took, uh, packed, packed their uh, breakfast up and went into the forest. And so playing and playing, as we heard at, at great length, they were interfered, they, they were interrupted by the uh, appearance of Agasura on the path, who came to remind him that it's time to eat. And and so they, they dealt with him in mischief and uh, mischievous play and Krishna defeated him and and uh, as we, we discussed this at some length, but I'm just paraphrasing now, giving a review. Uh, his soul went into the sky and uh, entered into Krishna as Krishna came out, all the demigods were astounded. Agha means sin. So he's the demon of sin itself. This cowherd boy, village boy only, has done this. And and, and, and while he had done other wonderful things in the Brajlila thus far, this was one that was apparent to everyone in the universe. So uh, because his soul went up and he had nowhere to go because Krishna was inside the the body of Agasur. (laughs) So he came out, Krishna and the soul came in and and so Brahma was uh, uh, hearing the, the um, clamoring of the gods and goddesses. And Brahma took note and he came on his swan carrier to Vrindavan. And he is Vidhi, uh, the personification of the rules and regulations in, in one sense. He gave them all in the Veda. Very Paka Brahman, there in his abode, Brahmalok. The Vishnu Haranya Garba is there and worshipped with prayers like Purusha Shukta. He's Yagya, Yagya Buk, the enjoyer of all Yagya and big Yagyas going on there. And this is, this is the kind of worship that, that, uh, that takes place. And so he's coming to earth and he's finding Krishna sitting with his cowherd friends, eating food, eating with his left hand. This is not a very uh, cultured uh, idea in the Brahminical society. This is for uncultured people. And Shringar Marsh liked to tell, uh, t- tell us the story sometime of his uh, experience preaching in India and having met one well-to-do man from a uh, good family 
and influencing him, that man invited him and his entourage to take prasad. And so they all sat down to take prasad, and then when they began to honor the prasad with their right hand, then the man went, ah! And then he made a confession to him. I liked everything you were saying, all the philosophy and so many things, but I have to admit I had a doubt. Or coming from the Western world, I had to do. When I saw you were taking with the right hand, then I know it was right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when he doesn't know that Krishna is eating with his left hand, what is what is that? <laughs> what is Gaudiya Vaishnava? So Prabhupada liked us to look proper in, in, in many respects for convincing the people and sattvic standards and all. This is this is a, a good thing. But Gaudiya Vaishnavism, of course, goes beyond that. And here it is found. That Brahma is astonished. He's wondering if the supreme personality of God is even a, even a a, a, a person at all, so to speak of uh, the source of Narayan. He's eating with his left hand and he's putting food in his friends of his his mouth's friends, in his own mouth, and then taking some out and putting it in their mouths. And one fellow is tasting something and saying it's very good. And Krishna says, "Well, let me taste it." And this way there. Acting as very uh, unsophisticated, and so many cowards as we've heard are there. Asankhya, but this this Bhagavatam says, Sang- asankhya, uncountable, un- unlimited number of cow calves and cowherds, and Krishna sitting in the center, and in so many concentric circles, all the cowherd boys are surrounding him, and just like in Ras Ras every gopi felt that Krishna was dancing with her. Each boy is feeling Krishna's looking exact, directly at me. I mentioned, I believe, the other day, Sanatana Goswami Prabhu and his Tikan. Gopal, Vriyat uh, uh, Bhagavatamrita makes this point. He says that every Gopa in Vrindavan feels that Krishna loves me the most. And every one of them is right. Then he says, but the Gopis feel, always wondering if Krishna loves me at all. This is the nature of conjugal love. Conjugal love, there's always some doubt. Does, does he love me? Is it all right? <laughs> is everything still okay? This is a, their apprehension. Of course, he loves every one of them the most as well. Uh, no doubt. Even while he loves Radha the most of, of the most. This is all kind of a spiritual mathematics we have to become acquainted with by transcending the limits of logic and, and reason. Life, after all, is not very reasonable. It, uh, we accept things that are very mystical and unreasonable because they are the norm, uh, as if they're reasonable, but there's no much, not much explanation for them, really, that makes a lot of sense. Life moves, actually, by giving, by sacrifice. By giving, we get. But it doesn't make sense that by giving away, you will actually get. But that's the mystic fact of life. That's the reality. We should embrace that. In one sense, that's Krishna consciousness. To give, by giving you will get. And the less you attach getting to your giving, the more you'll get. One of my disciples once we were riding on a train, actually we were riding to Srinivas' ashram from, from Vrindavan to South India. Long ride, a couple of days. And anyway, he turned to me, young fellow, and said, you know, Guru Maharaj, you're always talking about these things, these topics, but I don't, I'm not getting I don't feel that I'm getting uh, this, what you're talking about. I mean, he, I, he didn't mean understanding, but that it was all these higher topics were not coming in him and so forth. Uh, I said, that's the whole problem. You are just thinking about getting. <laughs> the whole teaching is to stop thinking about getting, to think about giving. The more you're attached getting to your giving, then you're not giving and you won't be getting. So, this is Krishna consciousness. And we should apply it in our everyday lives. In every every uh, every day, we have so many opportunities to take uh, uh, to engage in an act of selflessness, even in ordinary dealings. You know, if you go to India and you try to get on the train at the horror station, it's quite hectic, and uh, everyone is rushing to the train, fighting to get on. It's a madhouse. You probably all have been there. Well, once or more and experience something like that, and then any train station for that matter, but uh, big ones like in Calcutta and Delhi, it's, it's even more prominent. So Krishna consciousness, if you, in a simple way, you can think of it, it's just the opposite of that. If, if you were at the horror station and everyone said, you first, no, you first, 
No, you first. That would be astounding, astounding, but this is some idea of Krishna consciousness. No, you first. So in our everyday life, we have so much opportunity to uh, make some sacrifice and show selflessness. We, 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 we always, always, the two, two opportunities are facing us. You can take for your own or, or you can give. So we have to practice to take, to, to choose the option of, of, of giving. Cultivate this. And the full sense of giving comes uh, comes to, to the Brajlila and Krishna consciousness. This is what it ends up in. It is very, in, in, indeed, it is very ordinary in its appearance and therefore difficult to understand. At the heart of it, however, is this selflessness. And when that is in place, to that extent, then everything is properly adjusted. It's not, as I said before, a running away from everything, but just seeing it from the right angle of vision. Even calm is present there, but adjusted. Therefore, it's adjusted. To make emphasis on the adjustment, we say it's not calm. It appears as calm. The gopi's love is called kamanuga. Within the context of raganuga, there is sammananuga and kamanuga. Sammananuga means that kind of love that is rag in Vrindavan of the cowherds, of the dasyabhaktas, of the parental love. Why? Because their love, although unalloyed, is based on a relationship that is part of the acceptable in the society. In other words, to love someone because that person is your friend, that's acceptable. To love someone because that person is your son, that's acceptable. Because he's your master, that's acceptable. So their love sometimes is, has been called by Rupa Goswami Sambandhanuga, within the context of Raganuga. There's, it means there's, there's some, this is very, very slight, just very slight justification for their love. But in the case of the gopis, in, in terms of the society, there's no justification that they're doing loving him anyway. It's called, the fourth is called Kamanuga. As I said before, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur described religion as a proper adjustment. How to make, just make a proper adjustment, that's all. Change the center. So when it's selfless, then to that extent it's love. So we find this kind of selflessness, of course, in, in the Braj Lila and in this Lila, that um, how to have that selfless love by centering it on Krishna is very much uh, brought out. The cows and calves, the, excuse me, the calves and cowherds will be stolen. And um, well, we're getting ahead, but Krishna will manifest as all the cowherds and, and calves, and they'll go on for one year. And, and the Leela will continue without anyone knowing. We find that the parents are more attached to their sons and the cows to their calves than they were previously. One of the points to draw from this, of course, is that what we really love is our self. Everyone loves themselves, not their bodies. And everyone loves themselves because the self is part and parcel of Krishna. In other words, we found that the cows, we find it in this little, the cows love the calves when Krishna is manifest as the calves himself more than they love their, other, their, their calves ordinarily. And the mothers love their sons. Because uh, it's Krishna. The, the idea, is again, is something like this. We love our self, but the self has a capacity to extend itself into material things. As the soul is said figuratively to be located in the region of the heart, but pervades the body by, by, by its nature of being conscious. So it has the capacity to uh, extend itself beyond the limits of the body and identify with a house, that's what we call it, my house, my cow, my car. And it's important to me, the house, the car, the cow, whatever, because of one word, my. Your house is not important to me. 
You know, if, if I tell you, if, if, if you tell me a story of how Bear got into your, uh, you know, house or something, I find it a little charming. Well, you may find it quite disconcerting. But if it was my house, if the my was there, or to the extent that I've identified with you and your house, then it would be a problem for me also, right? So when the self extends itself to the, to the extent that it extends itself, into material objects, the material objects become dear to us. So what is dear to us? This is the point. The self, not those material objects. And why the self is dear to us? Because the self is part and parcel of Krishna. So this whole Golok, it goes on nicely in terms of family relations and all these things because Krishna is really the center of everyone's life. Everyone loves Krishna more than they love one another. They have what we call staibhav, Staibhav means a dominant emotion, like dasya, sakya, vatsalya, madhudya. And this dominant emotion centered on Krishna, when combined appropriately with vibhav, anubhav, um, sanchadibhav, satvikabhav, it, it becomes... Rasananda. So in the Baba Bhakti one gets this, 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 some bhav starts to come when it's turned into a stai bhav and all the, uh, these other elements are in place and it rises to the exalted position of rasa. So every devotee in Braj has a stai bhav for Krishna, has a dasya bhakti, has a sakya, a friend of Krishna, a gopi and so forth, as may be the case. But they all have relationships with one another also. So they love one another, but their love of one another is based on their love for Krishna, and that love for their their companions and so forth, family members, is called a, that's called a sancharibhav, sancharibhav of their staibhav for Krishna. It augments their staibhav for Krishna. So because they love Krishna in a sense more than they love uh, one another, everything works. Children love Krishna more than, the, and the, more than they love their parents, and the parents love the Krishna more than they love their children. So there's no, pro- there's no problem, you understand? Everyone is properly centered. And in that type of a centered reality, then there's unlimited room at the same time for a variety of expression. Just like uh, the Prabhupada used to, I believe, give the example that if you throw a stone into the pond... And then you throw another stone into another place in the pond, the ripples, concentric circles, which will come out from those two center points, will conflict with one another. But if you throw one stone, two stone, three stone, a thousand and eight stones in the same place, then the concentric circles will remain concentric and they can be bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Hmm? So this is the Krishna-centered reality. And that is, in one sense, why the Golok is bigger than... Uh, and everything is contained within Golok, is the idea. All experience. If we can just become Krishna-centered, then we are in Golok, and everything is there. And nothing, everything is present, but there's no conflicting uh, ripples. It's all concentric, orderly, beautiful, harmonious. So, at any rate, Golok, difficult to understand. You know, the inhabitants of Vrindavan... And when uh, uh, Krishna, um, maybe it was when he, was it when he liberated Varuna, Krishna, Nanda from Varuna's clutches, and then um, the uh, seeing his uh, prowess, or the prowess as they would think of Narayan, manifested in him as Garga Charger predicted, this son will do, be wonderful like, not like Narayan. So whenever he did wonderful things in Vrindavan, the devotees all thought, oh, Narayan does wonderful things through him, even though he's just our son, just our friend. So at any rate, they, they asked, you know, you, why don't you, can you tell us, uh, Krishna, what our future life will be? Everyone wants to know what their next life will be. So Krishna, Trish, Krishna took to him to, them to a Kuragrat. That seems to be the place where he liked to reveal the future of people. He did it for, he showed the mystic vision to Akrura at that time also. So they bathed there and, and they came out and, and then they saw Goloka. And they were so happy that, oh good, Nanda Maharaj will be there, Yashoda, our children, our houses will all be there, 
cows and calves, Govardhan, Jamuna. Everyone wants to take everything with them. I want to go to heaven and take everything with me. Of course, we're told you can't take anything with you. <laughs> yeah? But if you, if it's properly centered ideas, and there's no, there's nothing to give up. So while, uh, the, while they, therefore, Vaishnava Kriyamudra Vignana Bhujai, it's difficult to understand a Vaishnava. Sometimes they appear very worldly, and even our, even our aesthetic, aesthetics, aesthetics, they appear worldly in a sense. Uh, at least uh, following in the line of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, by way of, for example, involving everything in the modern world, not wearing the walking barefoot with patent leather shoes, driving in a big car, and probably flying on the airplanes, and as we were discussing last night, using all the modern technology and so forth. This doesn't appear, it's not overtly uh, spiritual, publishing books and being involved in business. And, and, and uh, you know, once we, I was listening to Sridhar Maharaj, Rana's Varani was giving a darshan in a very intense uh, discussion of deep points. One of his disciples came, tapped him on the shoulder, he stopped the whole talk, he said, oh, reached underneath his seat like this, pulled out a little pouch, opened it up, counted out some rupees, and gave it to him, and put the pouch back. We were all looking like this. And then he realized that we were stunned that he would take time out from the, what he was talking about to do something so insignificant, and that he himself was like the accountant of sorts, you know, keeping, the, keeping the bank, uh, you know, the dispenser of the, of the daily funds. So then he noticed our, our, our you know, he took note of our astonishment and he said, I, I think some explanation may be in order. For he said, he, so in the end he explained uh, the, how the, 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 in his mouth that the money is uh, the, the charge of, of Radharani and he, he drew it to a very high point like this, uh, how he was thinking of such ordinary dealings of sec- check signing and, and so on. This is not just for anyone to do. <laughs> so, sometimes, as I say, the Gaudiya mystics, even, to speak of the householders, are difficult uh, for people to understand. That statement is very, very difficult to understand the activities of a Vaishnava. They may be very ordinary, in parallel to that of the karma mark, but the motivation is very different. Our ideal, we speak about giving up house and home. In many respects, we, we, we push this part of renunciation, don't be attached to family and friends, and Prahlad giving all these kind of instructions, good instructions. But in our ideal, everyone is attached to their house and their home and their cows and their calves and their friends and so forth. So it's difficult, to, perhaps, for people to put together. But this is, uh, this is the explanation. If it's properly centered, then all things are properly adjusted. No need to give up anything. So Golok is the example of that. Their friends, their relationship with their friends is a staibab that augments their 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 um, as it means the sancharibab means uh, it means it's transient. It doesn't have the power to dominate, but it's come, it rises and then augments their staibab, their relation, dominant relationship with Krishna. In this way, this is the science, in a sense, of how it all goes on, spiritual science, how it all goes on harmoniously, and how we can make our lives harmonious by putting Krishna in the center. So here, Brahma's coming and he's seeing this Golok, and it's difficult to understand this place. And the, the leader of it all, the center of it all, is Krishna, who's uh, appearing like just a, an, 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 not even just an ordinary boy, but a village, uneducated, I mean, have you ever seen a cowherd boy in Vrindavan who herds the cows? They're very unsophisticated people. And Brahma is most sophisticated, dignified person. Studied all the Vedas and uh, expanded the truths of the Vedas. And very pukka Brahman and hidden his, in his abode, as I mentioned there. And it, it's described here in the text also. It's interesting how it's described. There, it's, he's called Yagyabuk, and in the text here where it's described as Krishna sitting in the midst of so many concentric circles of cow herds, and as we're discussing, uh, Sukadeva Goswami uses the word Yagyabuk. 
this is it looks like he's enjoying and all the cowherds are just enjoying the lunch but the fact of the matter is the whole affair is completely selfless but cowherds gopis it is said in chaitanya charitamrita they they only reason that they accept the ecstasy the bliss of their relationship with krishna which they have no interest in whatsoever they love krishna they have no interest in the bliss that comes from it the only reason they accept it is because they know it will please Krishna. This is a, this is the standard of, of selflessness that that Vrindavan is about, and you know, so you can evaluate now how how selfless we are, how close we are to Vrindavan. We are far in one sense, but close in another sense because we are in touch with such which persons who can tell us all these things, and the more we hear about these kind of things, the more we and, and try to try to in practical way, imbibe them and put them in place in our lives, then tangibly we become close to that reality. It's not just a gathering a head full of information and charming stories, uh, but putting these philosophical principles in place in our lives. We try to become uh, selfless. First, we, we, we are selfish. And then we realize that it's unbecoming. That's, that doesn't make, take a lot of reasoning. That to be selfish is unbecoming. Okay, so that's an, that's embarrassing. No, I don't want that. Neither is it comforting in, in any way. So let me move away from that. And with calculation and understanding, I will calculate how to be selfless and, and how not to be selfish. So from selfishness to self-sacrifice... What I mean by that is in sacrifice, I'm consciously making a sacrifice. I'm aware of it. And from there, from selfishness to self-sacrifice to self-forgetfulness. This is love. Mystically, and again, to emphasize this point, when we give of ourself, our self becomes whole. The more we're on the take, the more the wholeness of the self and its, and its distinctness from dead matter becomes obscured. The more we are on the take, the more we become like matter. We become taken over by matter's influence. The more, the more lifeless we become. The more we give, the more whole we become. It's incredible. And when our giving is, is, is without, this is in, in Prabhupada's language, spontaneous, without thinking about it, when it's natural, now, if something happens to the body that you're identified with, when you stub your toe, you don't think, hmm, my toe is hurting, I stubbed it. Perhaps I should reach down and touch it, and it, maybe announce it to others. You just go, ouch! You see, it's like spontaneous, natural. So when your identification with Krishna is like that, that is the, what the inhabitants of Vrindavan are like. They forgot themselves completely. As I've told before, Mahaprabhu has given the, the sarup of every jiva. What kind of dasa, what expression that, that servitude will manifest in, in terms of a, a, being an expression of love, uh, that will come in time by practicing, cultivating the, the serving ego, not by any other way. And when, it, when our absorption in being a das becomes so uh, complete, a servant, that we forget ourselves, then the wholeness of ourself will manifest. Then Krishna will utilize us in such a way as to express himself as he sees fit in Rasananda. You see, this is the idea. We say that we are different from Krishna, but we also say we are one with Krishna, don't we? Both things. We like to emphasize the difference to distinguish our tradition from the Advaitins, but we also have to emphasize the, the oneness. It's a oneness in desire. So when you give up all of the desire, only em- emptying yourself out, then Krishna will fill you up uh, to express and use you as a medium to express himself, the, the, the very Mr. Joy himself, the personification of joy. Rasa will express himself through you. That is the Leela. You see, the Leela is based on oneness. Love is, a, is love requires two becoming one huh, in a dynamic way.
that is the Vrindavana idea. The oneness of identity, I have no identity, uh, in much as our identity is based on our desires, our present identity. We are our desires. We give up those desires, we give up our sense of self entirely, make ourselves a, a, a instrument in the hands of Krishna, then as he sees fit to, to express himself through us, that is the Leela. You understand? They're fully one with Krishna. Therefore we say there's no difference between the love of the devotees of Vrindavan for Krishna and Krishna. That is a Achintibeda Beda. Do you follow me? He is that face of reality that corresponds to that kind of love. So, here, Brahma has come to Golok. It's a very difficult, or Gokul, the same as Golok, manifesting on earth, even more difficult to understand. And he's a bit bewildered. He's bewildered just coming to Golok and seeing Krishna acting like this and trying to understand how this person could have been the could be the source of the of the uh, the, uh, the death of of sin. Not only the death of sin, but as we mentioned yesterday in brief, Agasur got a position as a four-handed servant of Narayan, who is the lord of, uh, of of Brahma and the source of his birth. So he's very he's already pretty bewildered, and and his bewilderment has only just begun. He's bewildered, and so he wants to make some test as to uh, of this Krishna. Test Krishna. He doesn't really have any malicious intention like so many other people that have caused a disturbance in, in Vrindavan. They cause a disturbance by causing Krishna to manifest his, his godliness, um, his Aishwarya. I mean, a four-headed fellow appearing in your village is a, you know, is a problem. It's like, what's going on here? It disturbs the, uh, the flow. <laughs> so anyway, Brahm, Brahma's appeared. Of course, no one sees him. And uh, all the boys are taking lunch with Krishna and, and, and the cows, the calves have wandered off. The boys notice and, of course, they're concerned. But Krishna says, no, you stay and eat. I'll go and get them. So Krishna goes to find the calves. He can't find the calves. He returns, the boys are gone. Brahma has uh, exercised his own mystic power. He wanted to see how Krishna would react. And who is this entity, Krishna? Brahma's got a lot of power. And he's manifesting the, the, the worlds. Where he derived that power was, uh, of course, from Krishna. Like the examples given, I believe, in Brahma Samhita, like a, like a gem derives its glowing power from, from the sun stored up in the stone, it becomes a, a gem and gives light and so on. So Brahma can, has power, being empowered by the Lord for the work of creation. So he has a lot of power. But um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mundane power nonetheless. So there are very powerful things and influences in the material world, but they have nothing, they are, they are nothing in comparison to the power of Krishna. Brahma's power by which he, actually, he, he could not, we should understand, he could not steal the calves and cavalry boys. They're Krishna's Swarup Shakti. How could he steal them? How could Ravana kidnap Sita? That's not possible. So we know that that's not really what happened. That's what he thought he did. And Krishna in this Leela is moving between his, his absorption and under the influence of the love of his devotees and the fact that he's the Supreme Personality of God and he's omniscient. He knows Brahma's come. He's absorbed in, and Brahma's disturbing him, really, in a sense, from his absorption in his play. But because he's the Supreme Personality of God, he knows Brahma's come. So actually, Krishna arranged for the... And he knows what he's up to. He arranges for the calves to go at a distance. Then he goes and can't find them. What he's done is drawn all the cows, calves back into himself and manifested another set of cows, calves, which Brahma will steal, like a Maya Sita, like a Maya, Maya calves. And the same thing with the boys. So again, he's moving between this, where he wants to be, absorbed like an ordinary cow herd under the influence of the love of his devotees, 
And the fact that he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead by the influence of, uh, of Brahma, disturbing his Leela with his doubts. But he knows Brahma's a devotee also. He's not a devotee at the, of, the, of this standard. Or maybe he is, but Krishna is going to bewilder him here for, to set an example. Like I said, Madhva had difficulty with these chapters because Brahma, the founder of the Sampradaya, is, is bewildered. How can the Guru be bewildered? Shittamarsh commented on this and said, but that's not a problem for Gaudiya Vaishnavas. In Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the Guru can be bewildered for the service of Krishna. After all, in Gaudiya Sampradaya, Krishna himself is bewildered. God is bewildered. Dazzled by the love of Radha, conquered by the love of his devotees. So, if under his influence, Krishna wants to use his devotee in a particular way that embarrasses him, no problem. Siddhamarsh described it as, uh, Krishna is playing with his coward boys and Brahma came, so he engaged in a game of hide-and-seek with Brahma. So Brahma has hidden what he thinks is the coward boys and calves. And uh, and meanwhile, uh, then he's gone, gone away for a minute, which is a year of Krishna's time. So in the previous chapter it was mentioned that uh, Sukadeva Goswami said, so a year later, this pastime of killing Agasura was told in the village, as the boys would always tell at the end of the day what happened that day, what wonderful things Krishna did. So Parikshit, keenly interested in all these things, uh, said, well, why was it only a year? And so now this chapter is ensued as the answer to that, this explanation of what took place. So uh, for one year, what, what Krishna did was he sat for a moment and he thought of each cowherd boy, and immediately that, that boy manifested a Vishnu form uh, shaped like a coward boy, thought like a coward boy, felt like a coward boy. He knows their hearts. He thought of each one in his, in his, his characteristics and manifested the form of himself in, in the form of a cow, in all the calves as well. Parents could not detect that it was, wasn't their own son, but Baladev seeing it, and we're, as we're proceeding now in the narrative, realized something very extraordinary is going on here. And, and this has to be the mystic power of Krishna, which is very different from the mystic power of Brahma. Brahma's power is like, um, like that of a magician. You know, it's like smoke and mirrors. You can get something to look like... Uh, Vishnu Maharaj told me, once I was discussing this Lila with him, he told me once that he, he saw, I guess it was a movie of... Is it David Copperfield, famous magician? Mm-hmm. Saw him walk through the China Wall, mm-hmm. the Great Wall of China, appear on the other side. This is the kind of power of Brahma. His power is like what Prabhupada used to say is Ramakrishna touched Vivekananda and gave him a Shakti and withered himself. But Krishna is expanding himself as innumerable cowherd boys and calves. In the full Om Purnamadha Purnamidham Purnat Purnamutta the balance of power remains. Well, Brahma's power is different. It's a material power, sophisticated, but in comparison to Krishna's, it is, it is insignificant. So he exercises the power, he returns back, everything's going on as normal. Baladeva, as we know, had stayed home. So he, that day of the killing of Agasura, some charges have said it was his birthday or connected with, with, uh, with an annual event. So, the day that Krishna is going back into the forest after one year with all these cows and coward boys and is going to reveal them to be himself, manifestations of himself to Brahma and show his full opulence, Baladeva is also not uh, present. But a few days beforehand, he's noticing the spontaneous uh, increased affection of the parents for the for the boys and the cows, for the calves, and he understands Krishna has done something mystical. It's been going on for a while, and so he consults with him, and Krishna tells him the whole story, what happened. And now Balaram understands why Krishna got up early that morning, and he had a special thing in mind. He wanted to kill Agasur, he wanted to instruct the world through Brahma, he wanted to show himself to be the, he wanted to be the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Swayam Bhagavan, how has he done that? In so many ways, but the principal way here is that when Brahma comes back, 
he see he goes to the cave, he sees, okay, they're there, the cow the calves and the coward boys. He goes to Krishna to see how he's going to react, and all the cowherd boys and calves are with Krishna. So he says, wait a minute. He goes back to the cave. He sees the cowherd boys and the calves there. He comes back to Krishna. He, see, he thinks, is Krishna racing over to the cave? He's going faster than me to the cave and bringing them there. He's going back faster and faster. He realizes, Krishna's staying here. I'm going there. And he's Vimohana now. He's already bewildered. Now he's Vimohana. Well, he's starting to be Vimohana. He hasn't even reached its limit yet. He thinks, as, he st- as it starts to dawn on him, my power is inferior to Krishna's power. Krishna shows him the measure of his power. And all the cowherd boys turn into forehand Vishnu, Narayan, and all the calves. And, and all of them, I have peep devotees worshipping them, Brahmas worshipping them, and Shivas. And, I mean, it's just unbelievable opulence shown in Vrindavan at that time, to Brahma. Of course, no one else is seeing it. It would be too much. So it's too much of a disturbance just to have a four-headed fellow in in, in the village. <laughs> what to speak of knowing that Krishna is the source of all four-headed people and all... Narayana is the source of the universe, of the universe of Brahma. Brahma knows that in his own source, and he's seeing Krishna as the source of innumerable universes, not only universes, but innumerable Narayans. He's absolutely astounded. And he falls down and pays his dandavant and you know, he goes like this so that all of his heads can touch the ground. Astounded. And as he does that, the vision that he had of all these uh, ions emanating from Krishna and, and so forth, it all dissolves. And it's just the peaceful forest of Vrindavan. He's amazed. He stands up, folded hands, with all of his mouths, he starts giving prayers. This is, the, of course, the following chapter, the 14th chapter. So many prayers. And those prayers are establishing that Krishna is the supreme person, Svayam Bhagavan, source of Narayan, beyond my great wildest imagination, such power he has, I cannot fathom it. It cannot be understood by studying the Vedas which come from me, and so on and so forth. And Krishna just looks at him and says nothing. Even more bewildering. He's, uh, he's nervous now. He knows that Krishna is, is, is who he is, and uh, he knows he's made a mistake, and he's not sure if Krishna's uh, accepted his prayers or not. But Krishna looks at him and, uh, and and says with his eyebrows, "Can I go back to what I was doing now? Is it all right?" And 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 he starts to move in the direction of of that uh, bhava of being of, of, of being under the influence entirely of his of his friends and the love of the calves for him and so forth. And Brahma just sees, sees what's going on. He's further bewildered. He's seen that he's God, and he's, but he sees he wants to act like this. <laughs> all that uh, this is more charming and more endearing, and all that Aishvarya. So Brahma, you know, nods his heads, and then takes off back to the Brahmaloka, and Krishna re- is suddenly returning with the calves, and all the coward boys are saying, "Oh, you found them! You were gone for just a minute." And, that, and why Krishna was disturbed by Brahma is because this whole for, for, for one year's time, even though he manifested himself as the cowherds, the original cowherds themselves, he was feeling their separation. This is a huge disturbance. He couldn't be satisfied with the replicas, which were just perfect replicas. The parents couldn't even identify them as being different. He couldn't be satisfied them with them. He wanted the original cowherds and calves. This then is the uh, Krishna now, his uh, full-fledged calf herder. This has taken one year. Now he's turned into the Pogandalila. So as we began and we described, this was the cusp, the Adi, the Shesh Kumar Lila, the end of the Kumar Lila. 
And now he comes into the Pogondalila and he'll get to herd the cows and more. Denikasur will be liberated and the Purvarag will come, Kaliyadamana and all these things. We should spend our time in this way, mm-hmm. hearing and chanting about Krishna. Grantaraz Simad Bhagat. Mm-hmm.